I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, check the rings, Everything School HQ, for the Tennessee Volunteers, also here, fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back. Nice little, nice little Christmas break. Did you have a nice, mm-hmm. uh, did you have a nice Christmas? Nice Christmas. It was busy. We went from Chattanooga to Lilburn, back to Swanee in one day. Three different stops. Oof. My Christmas ended at like 2 a.m. Uh, yesterday. That's Just like uh, opening stuff, doing uh, holiday events. It was, I'm not going to lie to you, Matt Green. I was pretty, pretty tired uh, yesterday. Yeah. That's a, that's a big time move though. You know, at least you got it all done in one day, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a it's solid. And then on the way back. We got into some snow. Is it snowing in uh, Tequila, Georgia right now, Matt Green? It is not. We, we have snow, snow all over the ground. So mm. we got like the last hour and a half snow. So we were going like 30 miles an hour and uh, going slow. But you know, it's cool. My dad's going to be listening to this uh, on his way back tomorrow. But he followed us basically up uh, to uh, Toke Ridge. And he left like two hours behind us. And we went and stopped uh, one of my wife's best friends um, on the way back up and delivered some presents and stuff. And... We ended up, like, the odds of us running into my dad on the highway, like, on the main highway to Knoxville were slim to none. And I just, like, in the snow going super slow in the right lane, and I just get this honk, and it's and it, like, jars me. So I, like, kind of swerve a little bit and kind of skid on the side. And it's my dad in his truck. Um, and just seeing it, like, just the odds. It was, it was funny. So we were basically tailing each other for a while until... Uh, he went his way and we went ours, but um, yeah, no, we got snow everywhere. Khaleesi the dog loves snow more than anything in the world, so um, she's loving it. Got to play around with that a little bit uh, this evening, and then tomorrow should be cool. But yeah, we got a little white Christmas uh, to come back to. Uh, so yeah, that's not too bad. That's good stuff, man. It's been like 10 degrees here. I, uh, I wouldn't mind a little bit of snow. So but, cold. Uh, you know, what, what can you do? What was uh, the best present you, you either got, Matt Green, or you got someone else this year? Um, I didn't. I don't think I got any presents this year, to be honest. I think I just got cash money. That's um, that, that's all you need, you know. My mom's always asked. I think this might be the first year she may have asked me at some point, but mm-hmm. I think this may have been the first year she didn't even ask me at all. Like, what do you want for Christmas? Because I'm like. I don't know. I don't know what I want. Every just year. put together I'm, I'm, an Amazon list. Put together a list. Your bookmarks of things that you want. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't 
whatever. We'll get we'll mm. get together for the with the family. Have, have a good quality time. That's what I want for Christmas. You know. I like that. You're just brown nosing because um, you know uh, you know Mrs. Mrs. Green <laughs> listens to this pod. That's what's happening there. Of course, but yeah, some cash money is always good. And then um, Tori. Mm. Tori really took the lead on our, on our gifts for like all the little ones uh, mm. in the family, um, which were which were all a hit. So yeah. she did an excellent job. What was there. the number one hit for little ones? What are they into? There was this little tube that was just like just a, just a tube that you just <laughs> uh-huh. like disconnect and or you just Is this like, for a hamster or a child. Yeah, it's like you could like connect them to the other tubes and stuff, and they just like make this noise. And I mean, there's a I mean the the, the five-year-old was super into it, and the other were like almost two-year-olds are both into it. So it was a uh, just it was tubes. A hit, for they sure. just put tubes together. They, yeah, you just it was like because <laughs> the tubes like made a noise and you like stretched them out. Okay, and you could like bend them and all kinds of stuff and like make shapes and yeah, it was a hit. Okay, it's, uh, it's kid stuff. You know, they yeah. just need to be they just need to be engaged to, like their minds. You know, they just I don't know. Keep them. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not a parent. But well, it's just things to keep them occupied. I'm not either. But yeah, we were exactly. at. Uh, my wife's best Engaged friend. Engaged is the, she has, is the yeah. word I was looking for. And she, uh, one of her daughters, her older daughter, it had like this slime that I'd heard about. I've just never really seen. Have you seen like the kids that just play around with this slime stuff and they just put stuff in it? It's like Play-Doh, but it's like a new version of Play-Doh. And it just no. keeps them occupied and just encapsulated with just what's going on there. I, I don't get it, but they just, you can put stuff in it. It's just slime. And it's a, it's a fun thing that kids like, apparently. Yeah, to you know, to each their own. Kids yeah. these days, who knows what they're into? Um, well, there you go. Did you get Tori anything cool? Did uh, you do a thoughtful big timer for Tori? No, we don't. Uh, we don't exchange gifts. We oh. just we just uh, play it low key. Enjoy our days off. Like we uh, that's that's just our thing. Interesting. Uh, to each their own, Matt Green. To each their own. Um, I like gifts. I like get. I like giving gifts. I'm a. That's my love language. I like giving gifts and doing thoughtful stuff and seeing um how that goes i like putting it's probably on me i was just like so bad at giving gifts like you know why don't we just call off the whole thing well no it's it's (laughs) not there's no right or wrong like some people it's just how you're wired like it really is like some people are acts of service some people are saying nice things it just or different you don't have to stress like around the holidays about oh i haven't got you this i haven't Mm. you know i haven't whatever like and then you go buy some just pointless stuff that you don't need just to try to get something it's like no it's just uh let's just enjoy our days off be low-key hang with the dogs (laughs) oh speaking of did they get anything cool um, they got like some toys and stuff, but Tori okay. didn't even buy anything for the dogs. Like wow. that's, it was like Tori's mom got stuff for the dogs, yeah. but yeah, so it would just keep it low key. They don't know what day it is. <laughs> they, we, uh, but we did. So they're building like a neighborhood across this like street from us. Mm-hmm. But so like they have like the, the silt fences kind of for like lots in, mm-hmm. but they're still like open fields basically. And so we took the dogs over there and it's basically like our own personal dog park. It's like, it's all, it's all uh barriered in they're just running around having having a good old time so it was a uh, it was good stuff good there quality go. time uh with the, with the family on I christmas like it. day i like it i like it uh, matt green we have some uh night of the nighthawk news i got a night uh university of north georgia alumni hat uh that i should have worn today but it's in the car and i didn't want to go back out in the car it's cold and frozen so i was like i'm not going back out for this so apologies uh to all our fellow University of North Dakota alumni. We had an alumni comment on youtube.com slash Chase Thomas podcast last week. Uh, go, go Nighthawks, fellow UNG alumni. So, Vols fans. Ooh, so, ooh. shout out to 
that guy there um on that regard but yeah nighthawks forever um matt green nigel dropped off some news and notes that i think we're going to get into before we get into college football our bowl pick em, pod number five um our last kind of non the non-big one because uh, we got the college football playoff this weekend. I already told my wife, like, we got Tennessee Clemson on Friday night, and then we got the CFP on uh, Saturday. So it's going to be a busy, uh, I'm going to be watching a lot of college football uh, itis going on next weekend. But I'm very, very much excited for that, as I'm sure you are as well, Matt Green, with your team actually competing in the college football playoff. But many are saying that just being in the New Year Six is college football playoff enough. <laughs> um, Matt Green, DJ Uungale, who we talked about, like, oh, he was favored the 100% crystal ball to Hawaii. He does not end up at Hawaii, but he does end up on the West Coast. Um, it's kind of interesting because his brother, just his five-star defensive lineman brother, just committed to the Ducks. Yeah. Um, last week and then DJU stays in state but he doesn't commit to the Ducks they got Bo Nix they got uh, uh, Thompson they got uh, the kid who just flipped from Baylor they don't they don't have a room right now for DJU but you know who did have room the Oregon State Beavers who just won 10 football games this year without great quarterback play they just I I did not see this coming this was one of those things where people were like this is like one of those weird obvious fits. Like if he wants to go back to the West Coast, UCLA's plugged up, Oregon's plugged up, Washington's plugged up, maybe the Cougs, but that feels like too small for DJU. And obviously not really a West Coast, so you're kind of in the middle of nowhere in Pullman. We love Pullman, but just a different vibe there. You're like, okay, we're 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 in the Pac-12. Does he actually fit? And that's why I was like, oh, he's going to wind up in Hawaii. This is just like, he's this is a real fall from grace here. And no, he ends up in really, Matt Green, I think an incredible opportunity for him and a huge, huge recruiting win and portal win for the the Beavers, regardless of how this goes, because it's just, they got a five-star guy um, back from the West Coast and they get their own Bo Nix kind of, where Bo really did not end well uh, his last year at Auburn. You're like, are we sure Bo Nix has anything left? Are we sure he's actually good? Are we sure... Um, after a couple years of watching him at Auburn, maybe he just doesn't have it and it's just never going to click for him. And then he just, in the right system, in the West Coast, that it all came together. Maybe that's DJU next year. Maybe he has that kind of bow next year. What do you make of DJU in, uh, in Corvallis, Matt Green? Yeah, I love it, man. I, um, last week when you were talking about Hawaii, like as as like logical as it kind of sounded just because he has a Hawaiian name, I guess, you know, it, it, it sounded good in Hawaii, but he, I even said last week, it was like that, that doesn't seem right. He doesn't, he shouldn't have that big of a fall off. It, it, it feels more like a Spencer Rattler last year. It's like mm. th- he, this guy doesn't lose his job if he doesn't have a, a really good option behind him. So like as disappointing as they were, they didn't neither lived up to their billing. Like, they weren't bad players. And honestly, like the Oklahoma to South Carolina, it's pretty similar to like the Clemson to Oregon State. Like that's that's kind of a similar level. And that's that's kind of what I was saying. I he I envisioned him still at a power five school, just maybe not at a at a you know elite program. And I mean he finished that team like you said, this team was kind of a quarterback away. Like they finished top twenty. Like what did they finish? Like 14, 15 in the rankings, like mm-hmm. nine and three, like a really strong or 10 and three that with the win over Florida. It's like a super strong uh, finish to the season. 
I think it could work really well. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what that Oregon, Oregon State game looks like next year. He's the biggest rivals uh, recruiting ranking player to ever commit to uh, to Oregon State. Yeah, but I mean, we know he's not. We know we know he's not a five star quarterback. Yeah. You know, so we, but he's he's still a solid player. Well, no, what I'm saying, like, that's just seven huge. Picks. Guys don't just pick uh, guys of his pedigree. Don't pick Oregon State. But what is his pedigree? I mean, five star. He just, was a he was five star. But does, class. how long does it matter that you were a five star? Like, it's a good question. It it once you've played for two, once you've been a starter for two years, like there's a reason he's not the starter for Clemson. If he was a five star, he he'd be going to the NFL right now. Like this is his third year out of out of high school, so he's not really a five star. Like I mean, you look at the transfer rankings. I mean, I think he's like the thirty fifth, fortieth ranked player in the portal. So it's mm-hmm. like this is a good player, but it's it's just kind of funny how long we like hold on to the five star, like billing like that. Well, you know. So and so ranked him as a five star, so that means he's really good. It's like, well, you know, maybe they saw some raw talent he has, but he's he's still not as good, quite as good as some other quarterbacks. Like, and that's why he's going to Oregon State. But I think he's still a, a good player, and, and like you said, in, in the right system, like he could he could be even better because we've seen some of the raw skills he does possess. I think it's kind of weird he's never been there. <laughs> he committed. He still has not visited Oregon State. Um, so we'll see how he feels about Corvallis, but. He's like, right. who in the Pac-12 needs a needs a starter? Uh, yeah, I'll go there. No, no questions asked. Yeah. Um, he said, quote, I had three schools I liked a lot, and Oregon State was one of them. When I got into the portal, I watched a lot of film on different schools, and I love Oregon State's offense and their style of play. I love the pro-style offense, which I have a question about, and feel it's a better fit for me than any other kind of system. I know there are a lot of uh, there are some schools that are more air raid and you can throw for a ton of yards, but I feel this is an NFL system and will help prepare me to get to that level. I, I mean, I watched a pretty good amount. I wouldn't, I guess, pro style. I don't know what pro style means anymore. I guess is my question. Where you're watching like the that's, Eagles, that's run, a good a, point. Like I don't know what pro style actually means because no one's under the gun, no one's running the eye, no one's running. Um, I mean, basically the Brian Schottenheimer uh, UGA offense from years ago or what Bama was running with A.J. McCarron and company uh, a decade ago. Those offense don't really exist anymore. So I don't really know what pro style means. Uh, but it's the like con- the NFL is is shotgun half half the time too, or if if not more so. I was going to say so probably 80 to 90%. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like you said, I don't – under center used to be like the definition of a mm-hmm. pro style offense, but – Pro, the pro teams aren't really doing that anymore, and neither are the college teams. And you run IP, RPO stuff, and everything is just um, quick, and the quick game, and the underneath game, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I do think it's going to be... This is a better, I think, scheme fit for DJ, and I think he's right about that, where it's like they run the ball a bunch, and they ran the ball extremely well last year um, with the Beavs, and they ran all over Florida. They came back in the Oregon game by running all over Oregon. DJ is a gigantic quarterback, and I think if you play him in that kind of role where he is just the downhill, and they use he, it's interesting he didn't he's like the air raid stuff and everything else, but it's like I think Oregon State's going to use him as like a powerhouse, like he's going to be running the football a bunch with uh, with the Beavs, and I think that's the recipe for resurrecting um, DJ Uangale's career uh, at this point is like we're not doing the pro style stuff, we're not doing. 
um un, like just <laughs> the the more traditional offenses like he needs to be running with the football a bunch he needs to be on the run a bunch he needs to be probably limit the passing um because the completion percentage was in the low 60s this year um, make it easy uh, easy throws easy quick completions a lot of underneath stuff and then run the ball a bunch do a bunch of rpo stuff because he is a load to bring down you've got great tailbacks uh at oregon state and just see what happens that way i think this is a a really really good spot for him and i'm really excited to see what this looks like because matt green the pac-12 is absolutely loaded anyone who's wondering like where the best offenses are going to be in college football in 2023 it's the pac-12 like there is just talent atop this conference everywhere at the quarterback spot well, and especially because there's a lot of like knowns coming back mm-hmm. in the Pac-12, and then it's like this Colorado thing that's yeah. just like, what what's <laughs> going to happen there? It's the Pac-12 is going to be fun next year, for sure, for sure. Um, your team made some surprising moves. Eric Gilbert enters the portal. I don't think that's really a surprise. We'll see what happens there, but um, who knows? Uh, that being said, you get Brock Bowers back. For one more year we'll see has darnell washington announced what he's doing yet um no but darnell washington's going pro he's gonna be a first round pick like guarantee so you think he's gone absolutely no question i think okay. there's no qu- I, don't, I don't think there's no chance i think he's i think he's done enough just on tape like people know what he is i think he's mm. he's only scratched the surface of what he's gonna be at the next level like he's gonna be a baller and you have Delpit, right? That's his name, the West Forsyth kid. Just Delp, yeah. Oscar oh, is it just Delp? Delp. Okay. Yeah. Was that, wasn't then, there a Delpit? Was that the LSU safety? That, Grant Delpit, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, they have Oscar Delp, and then they just yeah. signed. I mean, I don't know if you saw the the signing day superlatives. Like they, mm. I think it was twenty four seven ranked each like position group, like who had the best signings: quarterback, running backs, receivers, tight ends. You know every position group and and georgia they rank georgia as the top tight end signee they mm. signed two two of the top two top 10 tight ends i'm pretty sure um in this class and the number one tight end in the country deuce robinson out of i want to say nevada mm. could potentially pick georgia in february on on the next signing day so in this class so it's georgia's tight end room is gonna be absolutely ridiculous eric gilbert like Maybe he just, I'm not sure he was going to see the field. With Darnell Washington, it's like Brock Bowers is still going to be there. So you're still going to be playing second fiddle next year. Like Trayvon Walker's show, the NFL scouts are, it doesn't matter if, if the you're not getting the stats or whatever. NFL, if you're doing your job, like NFL scouts are going to see it. And he's done enough. He's put enough on tape. He's 6'8", 270, like whatever he is. He's an absolute freak. I want to see what he does in the combine. But yeah, I think there's basically no chance he comes back. Yeah, if Jalen Carter only plays a Tennessee game, he's still going top three. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah exactly. That's all you need. Um, but you added two receivers. One I'm not as surprised about because one thing that Georgia has done well with Monken is the slot guys, right? Like the slot position has been great, and Lad McConkey has obviously been uh, fantastic for them this year. Um, that being said, the outside, like George Pickens was just a unicorn <laughs> where George Pickens uh, missed a lot of time. That was last year. Um, but there was, there was a lot of fun with George Pickens and he could just, he was a go up and get it kind of guy, a true number one receiver yeah. in the NFL, that kind of talent. But there's a lot of talent still on the outside in this Georgia receiving room. And a lot of it has been, they haven't been able to stay healthy, but I was surprised like, that Ra-Ra Thomas ended up uh, being a guy who's played in the air raid with Leach um, and Mississippi State, put up good numbers there. To transfer 
to a spot where I think his targets go down in Athens. You can correct me if I'm wrong, where I'm not sure he's going to be utilized the same way. And I'm curious how Georgia sold him on their offense versus like Tennessee or why he didn't wait for Tennessee to see what happened there. Um, Cause it's, I mean, the scheme fit seems more logical there. And I was pretty, I was, I shouldn't say under the pressure and under the impression, but it seemed like Ra Ra was more, if I had to think like Tennessee or Georgia, like I thought Tennessee had a much better shot at him than Georgia did. But love it. Bainsbridge kid, I, I seem to recall. Slack guy obviously led Mizzou in receiving this year. Um, former four-star kid. Should be a good plug-and-play player right away. Um, that didn't surprise me as much, but I was surprised to see Rawa. What do you think this says about how Georgia's approaching this offseason and what might look different about this Georgia offense next year with Rawa and um dominic uh now on this roster and seemingly on this roster because they plan to start and play next year yeah i mean i think it's definitely interesting i think todd monken's proven to that he's one of the best offensive coordinators in college football at this point like i think georgia if if you are in the portal and, and a school like georgia has any sort of you know hole that they see and they're and they're trying to recruit that position i mean it's it's the number one pro it's the number one team in the country they potentially could win back-to-back national titles this year so it's not like a huge mystery on why a guy could be like oh i want to be a part of that that they got going on over there you know so Ra Ra thomas is a guy that i mean with how mississippi state split the the catches this year i mean you you could definitely could have seen him like i want to go somewhere and like be the number one guy but um you know maybe he's trying to go somewhere and win championships and and Georgia is also a team that's that's th- that threw the ball more than anyone in the SEC, other than Mississippi State this year. And I don't think a lot of people know that because they they're blinded by Stetson Bennett's twenty touchdowns, so they kind of mm. think, oh, he's just a game manager, and they lean on the run. But Georgia was definitely a very pass heavy team this year. A lot of it went to the tight ends and the running backs. But I mean, look at Georgia's personnel. The best players are the tight ends and the running backs. So you'd be foolish not to be throwing the ball to Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington and Kenny McIntosh as much as they do. So I think that's another sale, selling point you have as a as a program. It's like, look, we're throwing the ball to our best players, and those right now are running backs and tight ends. You can come in. We need playmakers at wide receiver. Like as good as Georgia's receivers have been, there's also a lot of just question marks. There's been a lot of health issues. Like Arian Smith is a guy who's got like six or seven career catches, probably averaging like 40 yards a catch and a few touchdowns, but he can't stay healthy. This is his third year on campus, and the guy hasn't been able to stay healthy any of the years he's he's been at Georgia, and he's just been a pretty, you know, minimal minimal contributor. And then like a guy like Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint has taken a step this year, but he's like a he's a good player. He's not like a difference maker. Like a Blaylock is another guy who's had some injury issues. Like A.D. Mitchell was, was the stud of this group, but obviously he's had his injury issues this year. So uh, McConkie's been by far the best receiver this season. I mean, he's a playmaker, but you you to have a guy like Ra Ra Thomas on the outside, like that's kind of what this team is missing. I mean, that's what George Pickens was. They were missing last year that they were still able to to do what they did last year without him, but. I think it's not a it's not a mystery to see it's it's kind of surprising of course to see one team whoever they are get the number one and number two wide receivers from the portal but um i think this is just george's approach it's like dabo swinney took this like holier than thou 
like viewpoint on the portal and it's like no just because you're in the portal doesn't mean like a bad guy that you're like a, a selfish like quitter or something like that it's like so he made the portal this big deal that now it's like noteworthy that he's gone and landed someone in the portal kirby's just like if we can get high school players that's the best thing to do these guys have the most eligibility and we can you know teach them our way and they can be prepared in our system but if we have a hole that we need to sure up like we're gonna do that we're gonna go get a darion kendrick we're gonna go get a uh rah rah thomas lawrence like, cager so, yeah, Lawrence Cager, exactly. So, you know, and, and even if you go back to like JT Daniels, like mm. when Georgia, when, when like last year, if you look at 2020 and 2021 and you're like, Georgia doesn't really throw the ball, it's like, it was terrible quarterback play. Stetson Bennett and Dwan Mathis in 2020 was just awful. And then JT Daniels times. comes in and that team's throwing the ball 35 times a game. Like Georgia was throwing it all around when they had a, a capable quarterback. And that's what Monken wants to do. So even last year, Stetson, you know, he was a little shaky at times and he was good, but you know, it felt like you were kind of, you know, kind of managing Stetson as the offensive coordinator and putting him in the best position. Whereas this year, Stetson, like you can see how much confidence that the offense, uh, that Monken has in Stetson this year. I mean, he's second in the SEC in pass attempts. So it's, uh, Georgia's done a lot with the passing game. I think they've taken huge strides and, and it's just a team that's, that's competing for championships year in and year out now. So, I mean, it, it, it makes sense if you want to be a part of it. Do you think this changes Lad McConkey's off season decision? I don't know because Lad McConkey is is such a he's he's got such a like a specific skill set that I yeah. feel like that's you still need that you still need that quick guy in the slot that can get open that can I mean he's but a can deep you keep threat him too. and love I mean, it happy is my question. I think if you're winning championships, man, I think everyone's having fun. So okay. I don't know. It, I mean, it's you've you've seen Georgia players like it's it's a different uh it's a different breed man it's like you have to block like you have to this the stats are great and everything but georgia's now proven that they're a program that can get dudes to the league like mm -hmm. first round picks like motive some a bit on defense but they can get guys to the league and so it's like you don't have to put up the best stats like your film your film doesn't lie so if you can block you can make plays in the receiving game like nfl teams are going to take notice and you're and you're playing on some of the biggest stages in the country if you're playing at Georgia. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're putting up the same stats as you were at Mizzou if your draft stock moves up and you're playing in a better scheme. And this, they're going to find you. The, yeah, the it's like you put up you. big stats at at Missouri. It's like that's cool, but if you everyone in the world is watching that Tennessee uh, Tennessee uh, shoot that Tennessee Georgia game and sees Ladd mm -hmm. McConkey catch a forty yard touchdown, it's like that's pretty sexy too, you know, like seeing mm -hmm. everyone seeing you make a big play on a huge stage. Like that's massive. And Rosemary Jack Saint in that game too, a guy who doesn't get like a lot of publicity, like made it just an incredible catch in the back of the end zone. Like, so, you know, I think NFL teams, they, they know enough to like not be blinded by some of the stats, especially just around college football, with what schemes are, how they can kind of stats can lie about how good players are sometimes. You heard it here first. Dominic Blaylock going in the first round of the NFL. <laughs> healthy all 13 games he was he's just he's uh he's a ferrari sitting in the garage just ready to go it, it just feels like georgia just has a lot of good receivers too yeah. like not a lot of like mcconkey's like the one like real playmaker that that, that just kind of like like just makes plays and and so georgia is missing that so if i think love it could uh could add a lot of that to their 
<clears throat> to him in 2023. Great. And Carson it. Beck, it could be like with Carson Beck too. Like there's a chance Georgia's off like passing offense is actually better. And it's, mm. it's a more traditional like drop back passer. Like he is athletic too, but Stetson it's Stetson. It's a little unconventional the way he kind of runs around and makes plays. So, you know, who knows? I, uh, I got faith in Monken though, for sure. That's why if you're just looking at, I mean, Alabama with their potential opening, if you're Alabama, you're just throwing whatever at Todd Monken. If you're Todd Monken, you, you get one state closer back home to Mississippi. You got to you gotta cons- you gotta seriously no. consider it if you're, you're Todd Monken. Not at this point. Like, what is Alabama to Georgia? It's like, it's, it's a not. A man can dream, Matt Green. Alabama's a not a better dream. situation than Georgia right now. You know, it's like, it's. I don't know about that. I mean, they're probably one A one B. I think I you know. feel confident that the Georgia head coach is going to be there a lot longer than True. the Alabama head coach is going to be there. You so. say that, Saban might, uh, and, and until he walks away, I'm just betting on Nick. Saban I mean, yeah, away. who knows? I'm not sure he's mortal still, but yeah. we'll see. Um, speaking of Alabama, Bill O'Brien, it looks like he is the favorite to go back to the NFL and replace the dumpster fire situation that is Matt Patricia and Joe Judge being co-OCs for the New England Patriots and just the debacle that's going on with that offense all year long. Uh, Turns out making them co-offensive coordinators was not a great decision going into this year from Bill Belichick. And Bill O'Brien has been the OC already uh at uh in new england um so it looks like he's the favorite to go back if that's how things go i'm curious matt green we've seen this before right like i'm always intrigued by who saban gets to run his offense next right and it seems like every alabama fan is just dying if you read the comments on twitter for any bill o'brien thing they're like oh please don't take him and like and just tongue-in-cheek like no patriots don't take our bill o'brien and I'm like, okay, they, I mean, Bryce Young has put up bonkers numbers and he's been great. Jameer Gibbs is a great player. How much of it was just like the receivers just weren't as good in this group this year? Like this team last year, I don't think any of us were like, man, this Alabama offense is just not, not what it used to be. Like, uh, this is, uh, this doesn't feel right. Um, But it did feel like all year there was something off, but I'm not certain how much of it was Bill O'Brien, how much of it was just the guys who all entered the portal who may not have been good enough to be. They just weren't the Jalen Waddles, Devontae Smith, the kind of guys that Alabama's had in years past, and Bryce Young was having to do a bunch by himself. I'm curious to see what it looks like with a different guy, and it seems like that's where they're headed. Matt Green, what uh, what do you think they do, and are you intrigued by what Bama does at OC if they make a change? Um, because new quarterback, Jaden Milrow, it might be Ty Simpson. Bryce Young's out of here. Um, I'm assuming Jameer Gibbs is gone. And then, I mean, obviously the receiver's very much in flux. We'll see what that looks like. But I think Alabama's offense could look very, very different next year in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm very intrigued because I don't know if – Alabama fans quite realize like they know how good Bryce Young is I'm not sure how no how much they realize how much he was keeping that offense afloat like Mm -hmm. that that offense just was was pretty mediocre at times this year even with Bryce Young so I don't know losing I think the best quarterback that's ever played at Alabama and the offensive coordinator in the same year like Jalen Milrow like it's very small sample size but he does not look like that guy personally to me like they they seem like a strong candidate to go to the portal but they've obviously recruited well like ty simpson was big time coming out of high school so i don't know i'm really i'm really intrigued to see what they do here i feel like scott frost just feels like the classic 
Nick Saban coaching rehabilitation uh, that we, we see all the time, but I don't know. Garrett Riley, I think that was a name uh, you wrote here. Garrett Riley just, he doesn't seem like he needs to be at the, where he is that much longer to get a head coaching job. Hmm. Like, obviously being that OC at Alabama is better than being the OC at TCU. I'm sure they'd pay him twice as much money. So if, if they could do that, they probably would. But he seems like a guy, was he the Broyles winner this year? It's a good I, question. I feel I like, it, I no, think it was he was. It was goalish. Is that right? I yeah, was goal- thinking it was, he was at least a, a finalist, I'm pretty sure. Oh, he was a finalist. Maybe, who won it? Uh, hold on, who won? Name, uh, who won but it? Riley feels like one of those guys and if not only for his brother also, it's like he feels like one of those guys that's on the, the brink of a head coaching job. So You're right. Maybe, Garrett Riley did win. Okay. So maybe yeah. he needs Alabama to, to get that final nudge as a, in a, as a head coach, but I'm not sure he really does. Um, that's a good point. Uh, you can't really do much better than that, and you can sit. And I mean, if you're Texas A&M, what are we doing? He's right there. Just hire a Riley. Lincoln Riley. The Rileys have done pretty well uh, in that area and recruiting and everything else. Just hire hire the other Riley. The, what could go wrong? Can't be any worse. That should be the slam dunk option. I don't know why that hasn't already happened. Is Garrett Riley. Maybe they're just like, maybe we can get him as OC. It's like, why would Garrett Riley want to share the... Why? And that's something else, Matt no. Green. Here's what I'll tell you. The fact that that Texas A&M offensive coordinator job is still open. Do you know what that tells me? Probably that Jimbo hasn't 100% <laughs> committed to not giving up. Yes. Or to, to completely giving up the play calling. Yeah. Which is a terrifying sign if you're an Aggie fan. We're like, this is drawing out because they have the money to go hire any kind of high-quality assistant. Like, they have the money that they can just offer Garrett Riley triple what he's making at TCU. The fact that I mean, have- also, if you just feel like, I mean, who wants to get aboard a sinking ship as well? Like, if you feel yeah. like this could be Fisher's last year, like... It's not necessarily where you want to take, you mean, maybe that's a step to getting the head coaching job at A&M or something, yeah. but uh, taking it from the inside. But um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a bad situation. And I don't know, Jimbo, I don't know Jimbo personally, but he doesn't look like he'd be a lot of fun to work for. That's for sure. No. Um, but it's also, it's one of the problems is Jimbo won a title. Like, that's one of those things where it's like Jimbo can just put his ring on the table and he's like, look, my, when I get the right quarterback, we're cooking with something. Like, I just haven't gotten that guy. I haven't gotten me a new Jameis yet. And it's just like... In like eight years. <laughs> but like, that's when you won a title, there's just some kind of... I, I can only imagine. He's like, my offense won a national championship. Like, I can get us back there. I understand that as an offensive guy where it's like, it's hard to just become a CEO at Ordron type. Um, but, but I was literally just about to say Ordron though, like... Orgeron's title didn't carry him very far. Like, True. why is Jimbo's title to carry him this far? Like, I'm not really like he obviously had more good years at Florida State, but he also mm-hmm. had he left Florida State on a on one pretty awful year and also just left the program kind of in shambles on his way out. And now you've seen like AM miss a bowl game. Like they've they've been underachieving with Sumlin and and even Jimbo Fisher. This feels like they go eight and five every year, other than his one 2020 season missing a bowl game like that's just that's another level of bad so i can understand why no one would would want to would want to jump on board with jimbo right now i'm curious to see ultimately with uh last thing on bama what they do because i think every, people it's the opposite of a and i think a lot of big names would jump at this job to be the oc at bama and the talent they have coming in there 
Jason Candle is someone to watch. Um, Toledo's head coach, um, where it's like, all right, I can only go six and six and seven and five at Toledo so much, but their offense is fun. And that's kind of like the Kent State move where Dion pulls in uh, Lewis from Kent State. Like, I wonder if that's the same kind of thing where Toledo, you just pull in Jason Candle um, if you're Nick Saban. Um, and then Paul Christ, who's sitting out there, he feels like someone Saban would call him. Like, we're, we're just going to put, uh, all you have to worry about is the, the offensive line, which was not great this past year, get that ready to go, and then um, we're gonna we're gonna grind a pound. Because I mean, they flipped that five-star uh, offensive tackle from Iowa, who's from Iowa, who's committed to Iowa for a long time, yeah. Proctor. Um, so we'll see. I think they're gonna commit. I I could just just be ready. I'm so interested to see what Bama looks like next year and who they have running the offense. But Scott Frost feels more like an analyst to me. Where they give him the Butch Jones title where we see him in the locker room it's like that's scott frost what is that scott frost with Derek dooley and uh butch jones and everybody else in the crew like just i i could see something like that for him right away i don't i don't know if i see him getting the the oc yeah, title if if the if if that job's available to him that's probably a job too big to like pass up but mm. i'm in favor of taking a year off after you get uh mm. after you get fired from a job like this just you know do some soul searching scott like just you know don't get back into it too quick that was Mark Rick's problem. Miami was open, and he was just like, I can't say no. It's not He got him got to number to. one in the country. Yeah, but he was burnt out after like three years. Like he was, he was done. I think but he did. They were, he they did were good. Was, what was it 2016? Yeah, 2016 was his first mm-hmm. year. So yeah, they were number one, but then they kind of fizzled out. Didn't, uh, didn't end too well. But as we but, see in our learning here, Winning in Miami is not a slam dunk. <laughs> it's it's hard to uh, to get, bring the U back uh, that we found. Uh, One thing Matt, you gotta give him credit for: he fixed Miami's uniforms. They're mm. not completely fixed, but when Mark Rick got there, <laughs> he went back to the traditional look. Mm-hmm. They look way better than that whatever Adidas garbage New Age <laughs> stuff they were trying to do. Yeah, Mark Rick. So I give Mark Rick credit for that. Good guy. He also Mark stepped Rick. up Georgia's uniforms when he got here. So you know. Double shout out to Mark Richt. Big uniform guy, Mark Richt. You and never bust out thought. the black jerseys, you know. Gotta 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 show love to Mark Richt. Kirby won't bust him out. That's the one thing I'll give Richt over Kirby. But that is weird. I'm surprised he's able to hold. Like Tennessee does votes. They were voting this week on what uniforms they're wearing for the bowl game. They do a player vote all the time. I'm surprised Kirby has not lost the power there. Where if players want black uniforms, they're like, we're gonna vote on because you know the players are gonna vote on the black uniforms. Yeah, I wish they're just cool. Uh, yeah i'm surprised uh, he has not lost that battle yet he'll lose it eventually grinds my gears sir i feel like a playoff game you know be a great time to to bust him out but we obviously won't we're we'll no you should the, do the it for auburn every it. other year when you get auburn at or home just senior night i don't know there'd be plenty of times to there's all kinds of scenarios to do it a night game although i was gonna say you would have to get a home, home night games. game at, at first before you even bring yeah, out the black give george any of those so no um Matt Green, is bowl season dead? I was listening to Cole Kublik, mm. who's a great SEC uh, insider, former Auburn offensive lineman. He was on with Pate and um, Josh Pate, uh, Lake Hick, another great program that you should go check out if you're not already. And they were talking about bowl season. He was talking about his experience at Auburn and what it meant to him. And I think when I listen to former players talk about it and when I've just <laughs> – with what I'm watching with bowl season and how I was thinking about it this week of like how bowl season has changed. And I'm like, okay, well how much of it is just that I'm older when you're like in high school and middle school, we're on winter break. 
Like, all I had to do was just, like, I'm watching bowl games all day. Like, I'm watching that. Like, it was just, it was, I didn't have responsibilities. I didn't have other things going on where I'm like, oh, bowl season is the best time of year, man. Like, I'm watching all the commercials. I'm ready to go. I've got my bowl pick. I'm ready. And it was just a bigger part of my life. But I think part of that was just because of the time of my life uh, that was just being younger and not having those responsibilities. So I was weighing that against like how I look at bowl season now, because this bowl season, I don't know if you felt this way, but like, I mean, it's been rough. There've been a lot of bad games and I don't know if that necessarily says anything about bowls or meaningless, but it's interesting to see a lot of former players get mad about it. Um, and a lot of the discourse around it where I think we're all wanting the same thing and we're on the same team. And I think there's just some miscommunication here a little bit where it's like the people who are saying bowl games are meaningless. Don't want bowl games to be meaningless. (laughs) They're upset about it too. But the players are like, Oh, it can't be meaningless because look at how the guys who are playing, it means a lot. It's a trip to the Bahamas. It's a trip to wherever. And like, sometimes it's getting to double digit wins for your coach, like Oregon state and you beat an sec team up badly in Vegas. And, all the fans who get to travel and it's a reason for a lot of fan bases to go visit different parts of the country right like that's a cool thing for fans like i a lot of guys would not have a reason to go to the bahamas unless their team was playing it or new orleans or the pinstripe bowl or fenway park to watch a bowl game like it's a reason for fans to travel and have fun together spend a week like that's that's a thing like you get to get to experience all that all that can be true we can also admit that like it's absolutely different now with the cfp can we at least admit that it's it's different and there's a different feel for bowl season where it's like guys are tennessee's not gonna have jeremy banks jalen hyatt cedric tillman and Hinden hooker and i don't think darnell wright's playing either you go See, up so and down the list you equate this or you like correlate this to the cfp mm-hmm. i correlate this to early signing day hmm I I feel like college football is lost. Like I think I think it is like these these bowl games it is kind of dead in in a way, bowl season. Like I feel like especially since now that we're in this NIL era where mm-hmm. players can make money off image and likeness, like I, it felt like the bowl games is like, well this is for the players. Like, you know, we can't really like ever give them shit. So, now we're going to give them like a PlayStation mm-hmm. and like an iPad and like all this whatever gift cards and stuff a free vacation basically yeah it's like you're get to go to to phoenix or or Mm. whatever so there's i feel like that was a big part of it and you know there's still not every player is getting an il so that's Mm. still part of it you know doing something for the players and like them going to a a cool destination or something but i think because college football's calendar is just so messed up like it's the it's the end of the season like the season's over players are going to different schools there some of them are are already on campus at other schools and, and like no wait we haven't even finished the season like coaches mm-hmm. are leaving it's so it's it's this it's this weird thing of like opting out because like i'm not it was opting out for the nfl but now it's opting out to go to another team mm-hmm. like and why would i play in the bowl game for a team i'm not even going to play for next year mm-hmm. so i feel like that's the like as die hard of a college football fan as both me and you are like we don't know every player who's opting out of all of these bowl games like it's so hard to keep up with like some guys opted out some guys just aren't on the team anymore like because they're in the portal like it's so it's that's probably the worst part of it and i i don't i don't really think it's the playoffs fault because 
when you had the BCS national championship, like every every other bowl game wasn't meaningless after the after the national championship. And this is just mm-hmm. two more teams, you know, that that make it. So I don't feel like that's necessarily. They might feel more meaningless once we have twelve teams making the playoffs. But I don't know. You could be right. Like part of it, just like you know what you specifically used to experience as a as a younger kid, and just like. All your the only priorities you had were to watch sports, mm-hmm. um, but so I definitely don't don't watch these December twenty third and December twenty sixth games like I once did. But mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a lot of reasons, and I don't think it's just that we are older and now don't care about the the mean the less important bowl mm-hmm. games. I think there's a lot that goes into it. That's like you know. Jamie Chadwell doesn't care about this game. Like mm-hmm. that's why he's at Liberty now and he's not even coaching his team. So well, I don't think that's fair. You can't say he doesn't he had to because of like you said, the calendar. Jamie Chadwell didn't have a choice. Like he would coach if he could. The coaches are getting he screwed absolutely here. They have to would. leave. Yeah. And that's not to single out Jamie Chadwell or anything, but it's like it's just they don't care enough to still be here. So obviously if this isn't important enough for the head coach, yeah. then this obviously is an important a very important game. You know what I mean? So it's 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 hard to get up for all of these games, especially when you get some of these marquee matchups and you're like, oh, wow, I'm excited to see Clemson, Tennessee play. And then you kind of find out what you're actually getting to watch, which granted, I don't think there's too many opt outs in that one. Like Tennessee, I know, has a, has a bunch of playmakers, right, uh, opting out. But I, I haven't heard many for Clemson. Mm. But I like I said, I, it's hard to keep up. I think with Miles Murphy's these. out. I think the defensive end is out. And it was like we got Oklahoma and Florida yeah. a couple years ago. It's just like a great matchup you don't get very often. And it's like this this reflects Florida's 2020 team in no way. So it's it's Dan Mullen's not supposed to say it out loud, but we all knew that it's like that that wasn't the real team out there. So it's I don't know. I, I wanna I wanna watch these games and I, I will watch them because, you know, I love college football, but it's you know, it's hard to get too into these results that ultimately don't mean much. It's and it's not even like a great like teaser into 2023 with how crazy the portal is. It's like, ah, yeah. uh, he's not actually going to be the starter next year. He's just here because our starter's gone. We'll probably go to the portal or sign someone else. There's no barometer. Like you're not really testing to see what next year holds. I'm like, there, I, there is nothing to glean from this. T- I mean, I guess you you can say a little bit with Joe. Like we'll see how he does. Like if he flames out, then maybe that changes their calculus this offseason. But like, I don't know, man. Like. It just, there's so much, there's just so much gone. And like you said, I think the coach point is too, is a good one. We're like, they're seeing the coaches who dip before because they have to. And, but a lot of it, just fix the calendar. Maybe yeah, that exactly. fixes a lot of this. Fix the calendar and see if that um, changes things. But also like, guys, it just, when several hundred guys are like, yeah, we're not doing this. And the best players in the sport are all leaving, which again, we're not, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I am saying that the reality is that is worse for bowl season. You know, like yeah. you can't have it both ways. You can't be like bowl season still matters. And then all these guys, like, well, no, it, it doesn't matter to a lot of guys. It doesn't matter to the coaches. It doesn't matter to a lot of the guys who are ready to go to the next level. It doesn't matter to the guys who are going to the portal, who played with these guys all season long. And we're like, sorry, man, I got to go to a better option after playing with you and going to war with you for total. Like there's just too many other competing factors that like, it's just not, it's not how it's going. And it's, I, I just feel like we're keeping this thing on life support. Um, yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't know. I just, it's sad. It kind of bums me out when I'm tuning in these games. I'm like, all right, 
how much of the broadcast is going to be like, all right, so this guy is not playing this week, and this guy is uh, just left, and this is the third. He doesn't usually play, but he's playing because two of the guys in front of him, you're like, oh, my God, how is this good for the sport? And I think those are two different conversations where it's like you can be pro player and also be like, well, yeah, but part of being pro player is understanding that the sport takes a hit. Like that's that's part of this is like the portal hurts the sport experience for the casual fan. The two things can be true. Yeah. It's better for the players, which is good, but it's still worse for the product and worse for because yeah. if the portal not to interrupt yeah. your last point there, but if the portal is after this and signing day is after mm-hmm. all this, like the bowl game is a showcase. Like yeah. I mean, it's the Orange Bowl versus Tennessee. Like, that's a chance to kind of show, like, the teams that don't think I'm good enough to, you know, to play or whatever. Like, th- mm-hmm. this is this is a big game versus a big opponent. Like, so I feel like, yeah, if we change the calendar up, that that that's the only way to really save bowl season because, you know, the season is over. Once all these players start leaving, the coaches start leaving, it's because the season is over. Mm-hmm. So it's... Like, like we even gotten like talking uh, topics on like the podcast and talking about things for like next year. And it's like, almost have to remind ourselves like, oh yeah, the season is still happening. We still mm-hmm. need to figure out who the national champion is. It's like, there's just, I don't know. There's just so many things happening at one time. It's, it's, a, but I will say there is, it's not always like you can sometimes learn things from bowl games. You don't necessarily think you can like, like take Georgia, for example, like 2018 versus Texas in the mm. sugar bowl it's like that's a year that every georgia fan's gonna say oh you know we didn't care we didn't want to be there like in which i you know i kind of agree that the motivation isn't there it's a it's an excuse every sec fan base has used forever but you know you saw a way better version of that team play alabama a few weeks before so you know you have you have some you know uh ammunition for that argument but they had some players opt out, Texas beat them, whatever, you question the motivation. But then the next year, 2019 in the Sugar Bowl versus Baylor, it was like 12 opt-outs or something. Baylor is this really good team, 10 or 11 wins from the Big 12. And their motivation is playing a team from the SEC because it's kind of always, it's like a Super Bowl when these teams are playing, you know, a really big time program in the SEC. And Georgia came out and won that game missing like double digit players. So it's like that actually, it felt like you could learn something from that Mm. game. So even though you might not expect it. So, you know, you see Joe Milton ball out on Clemson, like a good, a good percentage of that Clemson roster. Like, you know, you might could still take something going into 2023. Maybe, but we'll see. A lot of change in both rosters, but I don't know. We'll see uh matt green hudson card is the second highest i think uh graded player ever to commit to purdue uh he enters the portal with quinn ewers having that job and arch manning obviously coming aboard um to uh did you say created player no not created (laughs) created no just uh, rated player created player no rated player yeah I was no. like, was he created? Is this NCAA? What's happening right now? Hudson Card is a created name, Texas quarterback name, though, right? Like, Hudson Card is a very much Friday Night Lights character name that you could just create out of that, like a generator, a name generator. Um, what do you think of uh, Ryan Walters and Graham Harrell landing Hudson Card? Because a lot of people just assumed he was going to end up at TCU, but it looks like Chandler Morris is going to be the guy, um, at least out of the gate, for the Horn Frogs, who was supposed to be the guy this past year before he got hurt and Max Duggan took off. But... Um, I don't know. I, I, I've seen a lot of people like program changer, people I respect, and like this is a gigantic move for 
for the horn or for the boilers, eight TDs, one pick. Um, he was fine in his uh, starts for Texas, and he was a fine player throughout. But I don't know. I, I think we're a little bit too quick to jump the gun on how big of a move this is. Uh, can we see Ryan Walters coach a game as a head coach? Can we see uh, what this group looks like? Because I seem to recall Neil Brown and Graham Harrell at West Virginia not working well. I seem to recall JT Daniels was fine, but that offense did not catch fire. That was a pretty pretty bad West Virginia team the majority of the year. Can we see if Graham Harrell in this marriage works with Ryan Walters and um, Ryan Walters adapts because he was running a completely different scheme this past year uh, in Illinois with Brett Bielema? I don't, I don't know. Like, it doesn't mean it can happen. I just, I'm not as quick to jump to like, oh, this is a game changer for Purdue bringing in Hudson Carter. Are you under the same pressure, or do you think this is a big one where they should be the favorites in the Big Ten West next year now? No, absolutely not. Like, <laughs> do we know how good Hudson Card is? Like, yeah. he's fine. Like, I, I think I've, I still need to see a lot more from Hudson Card, like, to especially to think that, I mean, the Big Ten West, that's going to be one of the more wide-open divisions in all of college football next year. Like, it's going to be tough to know what to expect. I guess Illinois, are they like the most solid like program, like to know what to expect from next year? Like, I don't know the, the big 10 West is going to be pretty crazy. So I, I definitely couldn't consider them the favorite just from this move. But you know, if you're Purdue, this seems like a solid, you know, a solid guy. It's got some, some good upside, but um, you know, a, a lot remains to be seen. There you go. Matt Green, I will say he, he's yeah. got a good name. He's not the best name in the portal, though. You've seen the best name in the portal, right? Who? The guy they signed with Central Arkansas. Mm-mm. Dude, person. Oh, I is saw this, this guy's okay. name. Yeah, I yeah. did see that. That's that's the best one in the portal I've seen. Dude, person. We love it. It's like a that's that is a created player. That's a created player that you forgot to give him his name, mm-hmm. and he's just first name, last name, or something like that. Yeah, dude, person. I like it. Uh, Matt Green. First year head coaches. Looks like we're done. All of them are filled. 2023. Early, we'll get more and more in the offseason. We'll start nailing down like where these programs are going once everything's settled. Um, Portal-wise, recruiting-wise, starter-wise, spring ball. We'll see what happens there, and we'll dive more into it, especially in our preview series uh, next summer. But um, as it stands right now, Matt Green, when you look at the schedules, when you think about immediate fits, transfers already popping in, who among the Power Five first-year head coaches do you think right now is the favorite to win the most games right away? Year one, who is it for you? So that's how I work my brain on this one. So let's just uh, let's just refresh the listeners here. We got who, mm-hmm. who are some of these names? We got Matt Rule. We got Luke Fickle. We mm-hmm. got Deion Sanders. We got Hugh Freeze. Uh, who we got Brom uh, mm. at Purdue, or Brom at Louisville, I should say. Walters uh, at Purdue. Walters at Purdue. Satterfield at uh, Louisville, or Satterfield at Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, he was a little. Get them yeah, all see? confused. Get them all mm-hmm. confused. Um, little, little coaching carousel Brent there. Key at Georgia Tech. If I gotta, go, if I gotta put my name, my reputation on the mm. line for a guy in year one. I'm putting it on Luke Fickle. Interesting. Make the I'm case. I'm putting on Wisconsin. They do have Ohio State uh, mm-hmm. next year on the from the East in Madison, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just look at that that Big Ten West. It is like I did literally just get done saying that it's wide open, but it feels like when Wisconsin's good, it's Wisconsin's for the taking. Mm-hmm. So 
I like the Matt Rule hire, but you know, I don't feel like Nebraska is nearly in a position to like just come in and just win now. I think uh, I think Wisconsin is is a really good program. I think that's for one. It's probably one of the best programs, period, that just had an opening this year. So I think they're probably the 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 least of a rebuild i think of all of these programs and i think luke fickle is just a great coach so i think i think wisconsin is probably the one and and the out of conference schedule is like super weak next year as well so i think they have a good chance to to win nine ten games you say that they lost to the cougs at home this past year and they got to go to pullman next year that's fair washington state it's not a it's not a pushover no you don't just walk into pullman and that's fair i apologize to the good it's the good folks of uh, Pullman. And what happened Washington. to the last Big Ten team uh, to overlook? Gata. At home. Who was the last team to fall prey to those who Georgia Southern Eagles? Ge- who did Georgia Southern beat? Nebraska. Got Scott mm. Frost fired this past year, Matt Green. That's true. They got them on the schedule. But in all seriousness, when you look at this schedule, this and looks Buffalo's like... Buffalo's not terrible as far as... True. Mac teams go to. Well, you should beat Buffalo. Like, if Fickle but doesn't those, beat Buffalo. Those are all winnable games, no. for sure. But you look at the schedule. You get Ohio State at home, like you said. The rest of it's just not bad. Like, I mean, going to Purdue will be a big one. That's going to be a must-see. But, like, Iowa at home. Illinois, I don't think, will be as good next year. Who cares you go to? Who cares that you go to Indiana, the, the worst team in the Big 12? They recruited worse than Campbell in, uh, in <laughs> uh, this recruiting class. Like, I don't know why. They Tom won an 11 this year? They might have. Ben. I don't have to, but they were they awful. Were off. Yeah, and they're going to be awful again next year. You get Northwestern, Nebraska rebuilding. Like I look at the schedule, this looks like Northwestern was one and eleven this year. Yeah, I don't think Indiana was. But they were going. maybe two and ten or three and nine. Three and nine max. This was a bad uh, Indiana team. Um, but Wisconsin, you look at the schedule with the group they have coming in there. I could see ten and two. This feels like a ten and two type team to me. Uh, right out of the gate for Fickle, and I'm not bouncing it. I will say the weird thing about Fickle. He did a, the Brent Venables thing where he hired a weird coordinator where you're like, I like him, this coach, as a, as a coach and CEO. But then remember, Venables hired Ted Roof as his DC, and that, DC defense, that, def, that defense was terrible this year for the Sooners. And you're like, why did he hire Ted Roof? What are we doing? Brent Venables, what are you doing? Um, on the offensive side of the ball, Fickle hired um, the UNC offensive coordinator. Did you see this? This was kind of under the radar. You bring in the air raid guy um, who put up bonkers numbers with Sam Howell and uh, Drake May this past year, uh, Phil Longo, who was obviously at, um, at uh, where else? Ole Miss, too. And I thought that was just kind of a weird fit. Like, Fickle doesn't run that style. And what you saw at Cincinnati and Ohio State, like, back in the – uh, pre Ryan day opened up offense years. Like it just, that seems like a weird fit. So I'm kind of curious to see why that happened and what kind of offense Wisconsin runs. Um, because if it's anything like North Carolina's offense in the last couple of years, we're going to be like, Whoa, uh, like a Jordan Tayamo type, uh, scheme for, uh, for the Badgers would be very just discombobulating based on what we've seen from wisconsin forever so i'm curious well, to see how have that to goes think that that's part of what wisconsin wants like they don't yeah. want to be the same team they've been every year and the bad seasons they win seven games and the good seasons they win 10 it's like they they want to be uh a a big time team like that because that's what we were kind of saying when they made the 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 firing of paul Chris. Mm-hmm. it's like you know how how good does wisconsin really expect to be 
And then to get a guy like Luke Fickle, like, okay, maybe, maybe they do expect to be one of the, one of the national title contenders. So I don't know. I think Wisconsin still just has a challenges and just the level of talent they're able to get, but you know, I think uh, they've always been a good program with Luke Fickle. They, who knows? They could take that next step. We'll see. Who's, your, me, uh, who's your coach in year one? I think it's Jeff Brom right away. I think with this group, I think Louisville, mm. I mean, they were a 500 program with Scott Satterfield, and I think Jeff Brom's a much better coach. I, I just look at the ACC being pretty open next year. Um, we'll see what Clemson looks like. I think Florida State, there's a lot of optimism, but Miami shaky, Pitt shaky. I don't know if Duke does it all over again. Uh, Robert and I comes in as OC to replace Tim Beck at NC State. No, Devin Leary. We'll see if MJ Morris is the guy. Virginia stinks. Uh, Boston College stinks. Louisville gets Indiana in their non-conference. Murray State, they open at the bend against Georgia Tech. They'll be favored there. Obviously, you get Kentucky in the non-conference. I just look at this schedule, and I'm like, oh, you get Notre Dame at home? I... I don't know, man. This looks like a nine and three type schedule to me for Jeff Brom in year one. And uh, if it's not Luke Fickle, I think it's Jeff Brom. I think one of these two win a bunch of games, uh, maybe both uh, right out of the gate. So I think the Jeff Brom hires a home run. I think he'll be really good right away at, at Louisville. Yeah. And that's a good call too, just because uh, like, that's another one of those programs that like a coach left their program, didn't mm-hmm. necessarily get fired. So right. like they're, they're in a little bit better position than some of these other He was recruiting schools. a little bit better than people gave him credit for. I will Satterfield say it's a, it's a sneaky, tough ACC schedule, though. Like, hmm. you know, we don't necessarily know what to expect out of Miami, but they should be better, right? At Pitt, like at NC State, like they got Notre Dame on the schedule, like a, a good Kentucky team at a conference, like potentially a, an improved Kentucky team, too, like. I don't know. We'll see. Louisville, they, they could be the best team uh, in that. Could they be the best team in that division? I don't know. I forget what division Well, let's that is. start from <laughs> which division it is. Yeah, um, it is the Atlantic, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure they can be the best team. I don't think they're going to be better than Clemson or Florida State. So that's another challenge they have. Yeah. Um, wait, so I'm looking at their 2023 schedule, mm-hmm. and they don't have Clemson or Florida State on it. Correct. And I'm looking at the ACC standings, and they're in the ACC Atlantic with Clemson and Florida State. Oh, that's weird. Is this schedule? The schedule has to be wrong, right? Is I mean, that wrong? I'm looking at FBS schedule. That's what I'm but, looking to. But, yeah, I mean, they have to play everyone in the division, right? So I'm confused by, by what I'm looking at right now. Um, hmm. But, yeah, so... The, all the points remain the same. I think Louisville is still a, a solid. And by the way, uh, Purdue or not Purdue? Um, who are we talking about in the Big Ten? Uh, Indiana went four and eight. By the way, not and Louisville just went eight and five this year. Yeah, so that's they were they were a solid program. So I think that's that's one that a guy could uh, could pick up a little quicker than some other ones. So I, I like that pick as well. There you go. But the um, and I think if you're looking at this, those are probably two of the better situations, uh, guys inherited year one what are the odds that Deion sanders is is this guy though because like you look at some like just team stats like i feel like every time I'm looking at just different stats like you know just going through uh these sites so many times colorado is literally last in college mm-hmm. football like what points allowed or or point differential or yards allowed, rushing yards allowed. It's like 131st in college football, like one in mm. 11. They were just absolutely awful. Like 
We heard what he said when he when he talked to all those new players. Like they this, were 127th in offense this past year. Just like so bad. So I just don't know how quick. I feel like also we've talked about how good the Pac-12 is likely to be again next year. So I don't know. I I wouldn't put anything past Coach Prime, but I'm, I'm I think they're the number one team everyone wants to see next year. I think two things can be true. We can want to see them, but I think what's actually going to hurt Prime is just how good the Pac-12 is at the top. Like they're returning so much guy. Like it's <laughs> you're flipping a one and eleven dormant, just horrible yeah. group. Like I don't care how many transfers you bring in, and all these recruits from this class are not ready to contribute. Like you cannot, you're not going to win a bunch of football games with all these freshmen and then transfers. It just the Pac-12 is too tough at the top. So I don't. I think the goal for Dion in year one is March to six. Like, just make sure you get six and six, seven and five, something like that in year one. And I think people will be be happy and also just be fun, like a fun offense and be competitive. But I don't, I don't see like a immediate nine and three ten and two. Anyone who's expecting like the USC Lincoln Riley thing, the USC had a lot better players already there. Like Lincoln took a lot of good players from Oklahoma and Pitt and everywhere else. But like USC was ready to win now um at you at when lincoln riley came in colorado and the mess that he is inheriting there um i just i don't see a quick quick flip there the pac-12 is just too good i agree on all your points and i also have an update for our louisville conversation mm. so next year is the year that they've get they they're getting rid of the divisions in the acc so oh. that's why for all of us that knew the divisions so well, we're going to mm-hmm. be confused. But um, yeah, so their new model is the three-five-five structure, where each team will play three primary opponents annually, face the other ten team league opponents, five and five, um, just like we've talked about the SEC mm-hmm. uh, doing. Although no, it have to be a three-six-six in the SEC because yeah, they're just at ACC still at fourteen teams but the SEC will be up to 16. So, yeah. So that's why we were confused. Um, that makes another more sense reason, so Another reason, right. Louisville avoiding, avoiding uh, Florida State and Clemson right there. That's a, that's a great reason why they could be the answer to your question. Well, there you go. Um, good stuff there. Good stuff. And that's going to be, man, that's going to be great because we might get a fun ACC championship game. We might get uh, Clemson versus Florida State, Clemson-Miami, uh, Florida State-Miami. And a rematch of the AC, like a lot of fun. Um, excited to see what that looks like um, for the ACC next year. Matt Green, um, Bull Pick'em, Pod 5. Where are we going in our last non playoff pod pick'em? So let's uh, let's look here. First, let's recap on how we did in the mm. last, uh, last few days. You uh, You did better than me, my friend. Mm. Uh, overall you were four and one i was two and three overall against the spread you were three one and one i was two three and one um the only pick we had the same was uh, new mexico state um but yeah air force got it done against baylor uh houston took care of business thought the raging cajuns they had the lead early in that one i was they were looking good but uh houston you know, didn't get that one, although that one was a push uh, against the spread. Mm. Demon Deacons, you know, really missed that one with uh, Wake Forest really handled Missouri. Um, the the Blue Raiders, mm. you, you doubted the Blue Raiders, picked I did. San Diego State, but 
I was all over that one. And then we were all, we were both all over New Mexico State beating Bowling Green. So now you have the lead overall, sir. Mm. You are 12 and 6 overall, 10, 7, and 1 against the spread. I am 10 and 8 overall, and 9, 8, and 1 against the spread. So you got two game lead overall, one game lead against the spread. So a lot of, a lot of time remaining, but that is where we stand at the moment. I like it. I like it. Where are we going first, Matt Green? First, we're going to take a little drive. I want to say it's Interstate 65. Probably should have known that before I uh, Mm -hmm. I said it. But uh, I think it's down 85, actually. Montgomery? I don't know. It's not important. We're going to Montgomery, Alabama, the Camellia Bowl. Mm. And we got Buffalo and Georgia Southern in this one. How do you see this one going? Uh, Georgia Southern is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Yeah, um, they went three and nine in twenty twenty one. Bounce back this year. Clay Helton, my guy, uh, he did a great job this year, beating James Madison and Nebraska. Really weird year. They finished six and six, so they had the the highs of highs, the lows of lows. Um, Van Treese, uh was a really good player for them at quarterback for them this year. Six years senior. Um, but what's fun is, do you know where he came from, Matt Green? Where who came from? The quarterback at Georgia Southern. Oh, where's that? Buffalo. He was the Buffalo starting quarterback mm, for like five years. I did not years. realize that. Yeah. So this is a uh, Buffalo revenge game uh, for the Bulls, for Vantries leaving uh, Buffalo um, after five years uh, with the program. So I'm very interested to see what happens here. Uh, they beat Appalachian State to end the regular season. Big time game, 51-48. Um, I don't like this Buffalo offense. And I think they're going to have to score too much to keep up with the Eagles. So give me the Eagles, Gata, their asses here in the community bowl. Uh, give me the Georgia Southern Eagles to win and cover. So Green. you're going with GSU Southern, not state. Yes. For the, uh, people on in Atlanta there. Well, speaking of so, another great I week was for right Georgia for... state, by the way, cause they lose uh GHSA as well, which is good. Do you see that? They're back in the Oh, dome. yeah, but that's that's a win for the state of Georgia, yes. though. So I think that I think the Falcons, Arthur Blank, were getting a lot of bad PR that they had to As they should have. It was a joke that this was not in the, the bins this whole time. Absolute joke. Glad it's back. Agreed, 100%. So um, also for our, uh, our geography people out there that want to know interstates, um, <laughs> I was actually right on both both accounts that Montgomery is actually where Interstate 65 and Interstate 85, they both Mm. go through Montgomery. So fun fact for you there. What do you Um, take to get to Knoxville from Georgia, Matt Green? uh, I go 75. That's right. There you go. Straight shot, man. Um, Oh yeah. Know know that track well. Um, But back to this game, Georgia Southern is third worst in all of college football allowing 240 rushing yards per game Mm. if you can't stop the run you uh you're not gonna beat the buffalo bulls give me give me buffalo to win this one wow going buffalo goes to the home state i know you know i'm big geography you know it's so if you're going from statesboro to montgomery you're definitely not getting on 85 or 65 because you're going you're going west but Mm -hmm. it's obviously way closer than buffalo is but uh so you know it's going against my geography but you know you got to be able to stop the run i can't trust george southern Mm. 
Um, keeping it moving, also on the 27th, we got the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl in Dallas. Memphis, Utah State, Tigers are a seven-point favorite in this one. I was surprised this was this high. For you? I wasn't, just because Memphis is a much bigger brand. Like... Utah State's getting outscored by like seven points a game. Like, and they have that one, like a 56 to zero or something on their schedule versus Alabama, but still, like, you're still getting outscored on average every game. I think Memphis is just year in, year out, a, a quality team. So I think the public is going gonna, is gonna to take Memphis over Utah State. Hmm. Um, I'm going Memphis here. Staying in the home state, I think this is a must win for Ryan Silverfield, who's been objectively not great since taking over for uh, Mike Norvell when he left Memphis for um, Florida state. I think he needs this like six and seven, like they won four straight lost four straight, very topsy turvy. Uh, Paxton Lynch is not walking through that door uh, for the tigers. They got to figure something out. They don't really have a lot of momentum and I think they can actually do better than Ryan Silverfield. And we'll see. Uh, we need to get them in the big 12 sooner rather than later. Um, that would be a big step for that program. I still think that's ultimately going to happen for them, but uh, still not there yet. But I think they're they can do better. Uh, and a lot of great talent in the state of Mem- in the area of Memphis, and I'm just kind of surprised that he struggled this much to get this thing humming uh, for the Tigers and the AAC. Utah State, though, um, they've played uh, solid football through this uh, the, the this year of six and six. Uh, they won four of their last five games. They have more momentum right now. Their leading rusher, who's going to be in the draft, Calvin Tyler Jr., uh, is playing, so he's not opting out. So that is an interesting nugget. But I just, I think they just need it. Um, I think Memphis has to win this game. They've got to finish with a winning record. You cannot go into the offseason um, six and seven. And I trust this offense a little bit more. Thirty-five a game. I think this will be high scoring. Who gets the ball last type deal. But I think. Memphis needs this more, and specifically Ryan Silverfield needs this more for the Tigers. So give me the Tigers to win, but I think Utah State covers. Oh, you're going Utah State to cover. Let me write that down. I'm going to take Memphis to win and cover as well. Okay. So keeping it moved to the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl, Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. We could have done this one like in Charlotte or something, but um, here we are. Or in Raleigh or something. Here we are in Birmingham. East Carolina is a seven-point favorite in this one. Coastal Carolina coming off two blowout losses. No Grayson McCall. No Jamie Chadwell. I just, I don't know what we're getting out of this Coastal Carolina team. So give me East Carolina to win and cover. I mean, they're on a two-game losing streak uh, here. Uh, Lost to Troy, obviously, in the uh, Sunbelt title game. Got trounced there. Got trounced. Uh, by James Madison, 47 to seven. Um, I just, this sucks. Can we just say like, no Grayson McCall, no Jamie Chadwell, another great year. They're in the Sunbelt title game. And we're like, man, this just East Carolina, like they just have more of their guys didn't leave and there's more continuity. And, um, I don't know. I, I think there is some momentum for this East Carolina team. So they deserve a lot of credit. They haven't had a turnover in six games, uh, which is pretty wild. Their last six games. So longest streak in uh, East Carolina history. And uh, 
back-to-back winning seasons for the first time since 2013-2014. So a lot of things coming up. Pirates, great baseball program forever, but football program moving in the right direction a little bit here. So give me the Pirates to win and cover as well, Matt Green. All right, we agree there. Uh, keeping it moving, the last game on the 27th. 27th, a quality day for some, some bowl game action. Uh, the, the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix, Arizona, our biggest brand matchup of the day. We got Wisconsin and Oklahoma State, Big Ten, Big 12. Wisconsin's a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. How do you see this one going? Another weird one. So do we even know who's going to be under center for Wisconsin and Oklahoma State in this game? Graham Mertz and Spencer Sanders are both gone. Yep. Like, what are we doing? This like people are like, oh, defending the ball game. So I'm like, the starters for all season long for both teams are just not going to be there. Are not playing in this game and are on new teams. One at least is Mertz is on the Gators and Spencer Sanders. We'll see. He's, it seems like he's going to end up at some sec school we just don't know which one yet but like what are we doing what are we doing folks like just this is why we need a college football czar you need some kind of ceo you need some kind of commish i don't know who it is but you need a commissioner to figure this stuff out because this is just silly um all that being said this wisconsin team was not very good uh all season long i think jim leonard is gonna coach this game for wisconsin if i remember correctly i believe so yeah uh, before he leaves because he looked like he was going to stay as dc for luke fickle and then he chose not to so we'll see what happens with uh jim leonard uh, many are saying his best fit is defensive analyst for the tennessee volunteers in 2023 but we'll see what jim wants to do on that front but we'd love to have him as another another guy in the room here in knoxville on rocky top but i think I jim think, leonard's a little above uh analyst at this you think point. so i don't know tennessee we got some nil money maybe we can get him in there for that uh jim just learn to learn some stuff here with a bunch of talent here on rocky <laughs> top we could use it um all that being said i think oklahoma state scores enough there uh i trust oklahoma state more in uh, a high scoring affair and i just this wisconsin team's not very good so give me oklahoma state to win and cover yeah like you said there's not a lot to know about these either of these two teams like oklahoma state's two and five in their last seven games uh, but like maybe they're a way different team in this game. So it's hard to mm. know Wisconsin three and two. They feel like they were kind of turning a corner, like getting a little improved down the stretch, but still like not a great football team. I think there's only one thing you can really count on for either of these teams, like either side of the ball. And that's Wisconsin's defense. So like, we don't know. I don't think at all, like who's going to show up, like who's playing quarterback, like, but I think you'll still know Wisconsin's going to play like really good defense, and they're going to be tough to score on. So give me Wisconsin to win this one and cover. All right. Keeping it moving on the 28th, we got the Military Bowl presented by Paraton in Annapolis, Maryland. And this is UCF and Duke. And Duke is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. How do you see it going? So... Uh, I feel like I have to mention this. I feel like a broadcaster. Uh, Ryan O'Keefe, uh, US, UCF's best receiver, will not be in this game because he's already at Boston College and has transferred, so he will not be playing for uh, for the Knights. Not the Golden Knights, as we learned uh, last week. It, it, Golden Knights was officially taken away. I just thought they shortened it, but it actually is just Knights. You know, see Knights. 
Uh, bring back the Golden Knights. Better era, in my opinion. Prefer a Golden Knight uh, than just a Knight. What are we doing? Uh, Black Knights. You got Blue Devils. Do Golden Knights. What? It wasn't a big deal. If it's not broke, don't hey, fix it. Don't do the Tampa Bay Devil Race you thing. Be. You can be a Golden Knight. You can be a Black Knight. All yeah, Knights. Exactly. There's all kinds of great Knights. They accept um, all Knights. Yeah. Or UCF. You know, you want to you want to pigeonhole what kind of Knights <laughs> they can be, but they can be whatever Knights they want to be. That's true. Um, but you you keep going. That being said, eight and four for Duke. Like we just kind of bypassed because it's Duke. An unbelievable year one for Mike Elko. Um, this offense was great. Thirty three points a game. The offense worked. Top fifty in the country. Um, one four or five to close. First eight and four season. First winning record since twenty eighteen. Um, so Duke was in a bad way, and he immediately jump started this program. So I think Mike Elko deserves all the credit in the world. I still will say UCF has better players. I think John Reed Plumley, who was banged up in the AAC title game. It's going to be healthier in this one. I think uh, the running back combination um, for UCF will be a big part of this game. Duke's been good against stopping the run, but this is just going to be a run-heavy group. I think UCF and this offense will match uh, Duke. That's why it's a three-and-a-half-point game. I think this will be a really, really fun game, maybe the best of the day back and forth. But give me UCF to win and obviously win outright, so win and cover. I'm gonna have to agree with you, sir. Mm. Uh, I think Duke's been pretty, like, pretty good at stopping the run this year. But I think UCF. I think they just have better players, like you said. So, give me. I feel like these two teams are really similar on paper, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you as well. Give me UCF to win and cover. All right, where are we going Keeping next? It moving to Memphis, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, mm. Kansas and Arkansas. Arkansas is a two and a half point favorite in this one. How do you see it going? This is my lock of the week. Arkansas is winning this game. They're not only winning this game, they're winning this game big. Arkansas, um, this look, Kansas has been a fun story all year long. Um, this is uh, Kansas making a bowl game is a big deal. Uh, Arkansas kind of faded after starting off three and zero. They were in the top ten. Injuries to a lot of key players was a factor. Um, I just. I'm not that concerned. Um, KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders are playing in this game, and that is almost enough for me to be like, they're going to be fine. I, I think they're going to be able to run all over Kansas. Teams have been able to run all over Kansas all year long. Um, this is it for KJ Jefferson um, and the Hogs and his his last ride. He's not going out losing to the Jayhawks. So give me the Razorbacks to win and cover. I uh, I agree completely. I think this this two and a half line two and a half too point low. line absolutely shocked me. I think um, like Arkansas is obviously trending in the wrong direction. One and three uh, in their last four, but Kansas is one and six in their <laughs> last seven. Like this mm-hmm. this team is not the team that started four and zero oh in September. Like they're they're no they're not they're not a good football team at this point in the year. I'm, I'm with you. Give me Arkansas as well to win and cover. Um, my favorite bowl uh, of this slate, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday mm. Bowl. And you guessed it, San Diego, California. <laughs> Oregon and North Carolina. Oregon Home game for the Ducks, basically. North Carolina's got to go to cross country. Definitely got to go cross country. Yeah. Uh, this is Oregon's a 14 and a, or fourteen point favorite, no hook. 14 point favorite in this game. How do you see it going? Uh, both teams lost their offensive coordinator uh, in the last month. Uh, we should probably mention that. 
Um, Dante Thornton and Justin Flo in the portal for the Ducks. Um, Phil Long obviously left um, for, for them. But I think Josh Downs is not playing for North Carolina in this one, correct? I believe so. I believe that's and if there's true. one thing I know about this UNT defense to this point, this UNT defense is terrible. It turns out Gene Chizik did not fix the North Carolina uh, Tar Heel defense. And Oregon is just going to pound this team into submission. So I think Bo Nix is going to have a big day. I think they're going to drop maybe 50-60 on this North Carolina uh, mm. team. So give me the Ducks to win big uh, in this one. So I'm going to take Oregon to win, but I don't see it being big. I think uh, regardless of when Josh Downs has played or not, this North Carolina team offense has still been productive. So mm-hmm. just in a uh, in a neutral site like this, also I base this on feeling and zero fact. The Holiday Bowl always seems to be a wild game. Mm-hmm. And we always seem to be get a, a entertaining contest in the Holiday Bowl. So I'm going to go look that up and see what the recent results have been. As a child, Holiday Bowls were definitely uh, some action-packed ones. But I just don't see them winning by 14. So I'm going to take uh, Oregon to win, but North Carolina to cover. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, the last one, we got the Tax Act Texas Bowl in Houston, Texas. We got Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. How do you see it going? This is going to be fun. But this is one I don't like this matchup for tech, for Ole Miss. Excuse me. Joey McGuire's got this thing cooking. They recruited pretty well in this group. Um, the bowl, Have you looked at Ole Miss's uniforms for this one? Oh, no, I haven't. They're uh, they're going with the powder blues, the, the this okay. home powder blues that are just top-notch. Love them. Um, that all being said, Jackson Dart's playing in this one, but I just, I like what I've seen from Texas Tech and where they're going. Zach Keady, um, offensive coordinator from Western Kentucky, who's been doing a great job. Jay McGuire, underrated hire there to, uh, bring in, uh, the guy who led, uh, Bailey Zappi to an unbelievable run, uh, for Western Kentucky last year. We saw what Western Kentucky did in the bowl game against App State last year. This Texas Tech program. They're cooking with fire here a little bit. Kind of under the radar. I like him. I like where this is headed, and I haven't seen enough from Jackson Dart to tell me he can win in a shootout. So give me the Red Raiders to win outright, Matt Green. I think this will be really fun. Well, you know me, sir. I've been the number one Ole Miss hater all season long. They are an absolute fraudulent team. Mm. Lost four of their final five. Was it five? No, yeah, four of their final five. Uh, games to close out the season and i also think this is a uh this is an sec super bowl kind of x factor that Mm. texas tech is a team that's going to come in here facing an sec team they're the one that's going to have a little more motivation in this game Mm. so i'm going to agree with you as well i like texas tech in this one Mm. and fun fact for you this is another one of the good bowl location games Mm. Oxford, Mississippi is nine hours from Houston. Lubbock, Texas is eight hours from Houston. So it's, it's just perfect. Meet right in the middle here in Houston. I think this is, this is going to be one of the bowl games probably has like a, a better attendance mm. because these two teams feel like they'll be kind of excited to be there. And mm. it just it feels like Ole Miss, Texas Tech, this is like a low-key kind of regional matchup. Like not super close, but like the kind of games we need to get out of conference. You know what I mm. mean? Like – these are the kind of programs that need to play each other. So 
a lot of rambling to say I feel like Texas Tech is going to win and cover as well. Okay. So that is our slate. That's the bowl games. We got a we got a bunch on the on the Wednesday pod and uh, as well as breaking down the college ball playoff, but that is uh that's all we got for this one. Next up, Matt Green, our last pod before the playoff semifinal games, our big playoff picks, playoff predictions, analysis, and everything that we think. Uh, so look out for that on uh, the Thursday show. It's going to be I think very, listeners very... already might have some sort of clue on where, where we might be going with some of these playoff picks, but mm. it'll, it'll be interesting. I don't know where you're going to go with Michigan TCU, though. I have a hunch on Georgia, Ohio State, but... Um, We'll see where you go on the other one. Um, and I'm still thinking. I haven't decided 100% where I'm going with both. Actually, no, that's not true. I know how I'm going with one of them, but maybe not the one that the listener thinks that mm. I have not gone back and forth on. Um, Matt Green, that's all I've got, my friend. Thank you, as always. I'm glad you had a great Christmas with family and friends and uh, that uh, we were able to do this this evening, one day off. But I hope the good folks forgive us for not recording on Christmas night. Uh, I was back home in Atlanta briefly and uh, was opening presents at the time we were recording and bouncing from house to house and would not have been uh, ready to go. So apologies for the Monday morning commuters not getting this uh, bright and early on Monday. But... Tuesday will work, I promise. And uh, we will talk to y'all in a couple days. Yes, sir. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.